Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. If you haven't listened to part one with Brett Allman on mental health, we would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that because the reason I bring that up is because we have him on again today. We were going to be talking about a different different topic with him. And if you haven't heard the first one, Brett Allman is a speaker and an author. We really appreciate what he's doing. Great stuff. Great thought leader in, in a lot of these areas in regards to media, parenting, um, and uh, of course, mental health. So we really appreciate you, Brett. And thank you again for, for being on with us today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to talk with you today about an area that I think everybody has some kind of relationship with, and that is media. Mm-hmm. Can't escape it, right? It's it's around us. It's in our lives. We use it for work. We use it for pleasure. I mean, it just really is something that um, I think is a, is a normal for everybody. Now, when we talk about media, it's something that there's good uses for it, and there can be some areas that are a little bit darker and that can pull us into maybe a way of life that's you know, maybe is is stuck in addiction or different ruts that are really hard to break out of. And when we talk about this, we're using the lens of of pornography and maybe the link to that as well. But just let's talk, I just wanted to ask you about media as a whole, you know, what, what are some of the the ways that it can be beneficial, but also bad in our lives in a way that it keeps us in addictive kind of patterns? Yeah. Can I just say too, I'm, I'm encouraged by you guys in that you view pornography in a greater way. Like we talked about mental health last, it's not just men, you know, too often it's kind of like porn men bad, right? It's this <laughs> right. We kind of feel like we're punched in the face and it's like, 
there's lots of, and, and not all these are perfect tie-ins. They might be for some people, they might not, but I just, I appreciate you guys having a kind of varied conversation on this. So media, and I do a lot of media talks. This is one of the ones I do, I've done most of my career. Um, but when I have students or parents in the room, I just kind of begin with this, like not all media is bad, but not all media is good. Like, right. I just think we, like, I grew up a very uh, conservative Baptist. I then married a Pentecostal, which is not supposed to happen. And now we go to an associated gospel church, which might be the merging of those. I don't know. I'm a Baptist um, married a Pentecostal too. So it works. <laughs> it's good to know it works. Brett. Lost my whole train of thought. after. That. <laughs> um, but like I grew up in the don't dance, don't drink, don't smoke. And if you said why, I was told because. <laughs> Like, that's not an answer. And so, you know, I, like, you know, everything was bad. Music was bad. Movies are bad. I love movies. I, I went to a movie a couple of days ago. Like, it was just so nice to go see a Marvel movie in an IMAX theater. I like television. I'm on all social media. I've recently started. I'm not posting on TikTok, but I'm researching it. My son thinks I should be there. But it's not all bad, but it's not all good. Now, any of these things in media can be pathways that head us down darker roads, right? Like, you know, I know we're on a podcast, but if I hold up my phone right now, my phone does nothing until I download apps, until I download, you know, I go to websites or do things. It's like a television. They don't do anything until you turn it on and go places. So, you know, and if we're talking about media, you know, websites, Netflix, all these other things, like I can go on Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of these networks and I can go watch a really, like I could watch Ford versus Ferrari. I could, you know, watch good movies on, like I'm a, I love Marvel stuff. I like documentaries, but I can also click on, I mean, Netflix has a lot of softcore porn on it. Mm -hmm. And so you make decisions every time you go on those things. And there are lots of ways on some of the you know, the Netflixes and things where you can block all R-rated content and different things. And, you know, you can use some of those good things. Uh, things like TikTok are very interesting to me. And I'll send you a link later. Um, I saw a video on the TikTok algorithm. Like, as we all kind of know, social media puts us into an echo chamber. Like, what you click on, you get more of. I have to work really hard to follow people who have differing views than me. Because I don't just want, as a speaker, hearing everyone say like, yeah, like what you say is, like we talked about mental health last week. I don't just want to hear people who agree with me. I want to hear someone who has a differing viewpoint and understand so that I can then either challenge a bit of that or incorporate it or do different things. And um, so media gives you the same stuff. So this is talking about the algorithm of TikTok. And so if you're on TikTok, and I know a lot of guys who say, like they don't post on it but they're on it. And if all you're getting is kind of women in bikinis, there's a reason you're getting that. It's because you're lingering on it, right? Linger, like, as opposed to it pops up and you, you flip, you wait one second, two seconds. Like it was just saying the algorithm is brilliant. Or if you watch it and, or you click on that person's feed and look at all the things they've done, it's going to filter you down these few pathways of content. And you can see how, especially during the COVID conversation, people get fed down a pathway of this or that. But it's the same with sexuality, right? The more you click on things, the more that you get. Media can kind of send you down those pathways. I mean, things like Facebook and stuff, 
I don't know about you guys, like I'm still on Facebook, but it seems to be once a day now, I have like a woman in a bikini friend me. And it's like, I created a WhatsApp. It's like, but I don't even, I don't even want to see that. Right. And so like, I now just, if it's a picture, the little picture of a woman in a bikini, I just decline, decline. But I, with all social, I think um, if you start following something or someone and images or content are going against our faith, are tempting us in ways we don't want, unfollow. Yeah, yeah. I've, it's, I was going to say that too about Facebook. It's unbelievable. It's probably been the last two, three months that it's it's pretty much daily. In fact, just yesterday, I was thinking, man, that hasn't happened for a while with those girls out of me. But a while is probably four days. But when I, when I, um, and, and guys in our groups too, they're talking about it too. They're like, man, I keep getting these. But um, when I get those, what what I train, what I've trained myself to do is I just picture this middle-aged fat guy with, <laughs> with chest hair and yeah. sitting in his room and like, oh, I need a picture of a hot girl. He just scams Google people. that, you'll find it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's probably what it is. They're all bots or old guys and trying to create scams, but it's crazy. Yeah. It is everywhere. And so, there's even been different things on Facebook lately where it was full on porn that I I saw and different guys saw it. It's, it's really a crazy thing. But a lot of people with porn, they'll go, man, because media made it so available and so free and accessible, now it's increased so much and, and porn usage has increased. That's true. The other part of that, though, is that the church has been silent on it for so long. The church mm-hmm. doesn't talk about sex. The church doesn't talk about porn. I did a, I did a sermon on porn and sex a couple of weeks ago at a church and and uh, people were just like, I can't believe you said all those words. But I'm like, man, people, everybody in this church knows these words. It's not like I'm saying anything that's that people don't know. And so why can't we talk about it, right? But Brett, I know you you got lots of thoughts and things that you talk about in terms of how how the church can um, can can address sex better. So maybe speak to that. Yeah, there's one of my favorite books I've read in the past few years. Um, I was going to say Atomic Habits. It's actually not. It's actually one of my favorites. Uh, sorry, um, Upstream by Dan Heath, and it's the idea of how do we ha- look at prevention as opposed to just the destruction. Uh, it was Frederick Douglass, the abolitionist, who once said, um, "You know, the, the idea of repairing, like, uh, how do we like train young children as a, as opposed to repairing broken men?" And we can yeah. say men and women, like. And everything I do is about prevention these days. Like I speak on parenting and I like, let's equip parents to equip their kids. And maybe before we get broken high school kids, how do we equip junior highs? But before you equip junior highs, you have to have parents who talk about things when kids are younger. Like talking about parents addressing things like sex. We got a grant the other year to poll Canadian Christians on their porn consumption. So let that sink in. Like, we got a grant to poll Canadian Christians. So I'm out at a restaurant with a pastor, a lead pastor. And uh, he went to the bathroom, so I looked at my phone and he comes back and he's like, what is it? I'm like, I just got like a, a grant to do this. And he goes, what kind of stupid organization would give? He says, we're Christians. We don't look at porn. No. <laughs> right. And I took a big breath and I said, you should probably be fired. <laughs> and I don't know him that well. And he looked at me and he said, are you kidding? And I'm like, if you think no one in your church struggles with porn, you're really like, that would then mean you're then not equipping them for that. What does the Bible say? You know, like lack of knowledge, destruction. And he didn't. 
So we actually used that system and pulled his people. I've never seen a person who thought the world was one way and it was so another way. And like weeping afterwards, like half of his board of directors were addicted to porn. Half of the elders in his church statistics were around 60% addiction, which is not uncommon. Like Coven and I say roughly 60% men, 20% women. His were a bit higher than that. People of all ages and stages. And I give him credit. He owned it and then made changes. But I'm the same as as you, uh, Matt. Like I, I speak on these topics and people like I've never heard someone speak on that. So here's the here's the dysfunctional world we live in. When kids are young, we rarely talk about these things. Uh, When I poll, uh, usually it's 90% of people say they've never been talked to about porn ever, ever. Like, so young kids, nothing. We don't equip them for what they'll see on a bus or when something pops up on a phone. Like what happens on social media? Like, you know, when suddenly something pops up, how do you are you ready for that? Like we should be prepared in life for those things. Junior high, some churches deal with that. Senior high, most churches, I would say the youth pastor would address that. Then uh, we have young adults, which is hard because young adults uh, groups are few and far between. And so if your church has one, it's the time you're most likely to mess up sexually. Then you get married where from our biblical worldview, we would say now you're free to be sexually active and we never talk about it again. Yeah. Right. Like I've been a big fan of, I don't know if you guys have followed Sheila Gregoire. Uh, She's a a blogger. I was actually on her uh, podcast and blog a few weeks ago talking about parenting, but like addressing, we need to be better at this conversation. And so good sex and marriage, good, healthy sex education when kids are younger and we, we can do this. Like I say to pastors, sometimes I'm with a lot of pastors, and here's another part of the problem is we need to go back to the Bible colleges where a lot of our pastors come from and help equip the professors to deal with some of these topics because you're going to deal with it. So how do we equip you? How do we bring in people? How do we bring in organizations, podcasts, speakers, books, and things that can help someone so that then they go to their, their congregation and, and they can actually address these things or they know who to talk to, to help them address some of these things. Yeah. Well, I like what you're saying is that the preventative component of this, cause that's an area that I think is lacking. Usually it's, you know, let's try to deal with this when it's really bad and how hard is that, right? That's really difficult. It's, it's a grind. So the preventative aspect, I mean, this is something that I think we're trying to play catch up on. Cause I know for myself growing up, I'm an older millennial. So I do remember what it was like before social media. I do remember what it was like before cell phones. Access to porn was very limited. You had to really work hard for it if you wanted it. But then all of a sudden, internet comes around and everything else. And and then my world exploded in that, that aspect. But all the kids coming up now, they're indoctrinated into this world of media right from the get-go. I mean, screen time is a thing for four or five-year-olds, right? <laughs> and that's something that I never encountered growing up myself. So we're giving the keys to these kids to this, you know, figuratively a Ferrari, expecting them to learn how to drive that right away. You know, the same kind of deal, putting them in the media world and, and not being able to talk to them about sex or other things in a, in a helpful and meaningful way. So we're, we're really at a, at a kind of a disadvantage, so to speak, because we're playing catch up with all these young adults and, and adults that have been indoctrinated into this world. 
So how do we move in that preventative component? You touched on a few things, Bible school, pastors, whatever else, but even for, for parents or, or, you know, if you're, if you're getting into that world, what are some changes that we do need to kind of start moving in so that, you know, people are prepared? I think from a, let's just, from a sex standpoint, we need to look at a biblical worldview of healthy sexuality because our worldview and a worldview is a very overused term, but I like it. Our worldview is like a set of lenses that we look and we interact with the world. Our worldview affects our values. Our values affect our actions. And the chart goes up, right? It's a triangle. I, it was years ago, uh, probably 15 years ago or more, I'm at a hockey arena speaking. And just before I go on, a father walks up to me. Now, his son has been smoking uh, a lot of weed. We've been having these conversations. Like, it's a mental health issue. It's not helping him. And so he comes up and he says, Brett, I got it. And I said, what? And he shakes my hand and he drops a bag of weed into my hand. I'm really uncomfortable in this moment. There's 5,000 people in a hockey arena. I've just had a drug deal occur at the bottom. I'm now <laughs> holding a bag of weed. And I said to the father, like, what? He goes, yeah, I kicked down his door and I took his weed. Everything's great. And I'm like, no, it's not. First off, you've you know really helped in destroying your relationship with your kid, which is just paramount, right? Like the biggest thing, like here's the problem is we want to talk to our kids about porn or sex or mental health. But if you don't have a relationship with your kid, you will not be doing it. You do not have the authority to speak truth. You don't have that influence to speak the truth into your kids' lives. And so, uh, you know, that father was taking an action, but not, not looking at the worldview of, of that. And it's the same with pornography. A father once said, oh, I ripped my kid's ethernet cord out of the wall. You can tell ethernet cord. It was a number of years ago. And he's like, everything's fine. I'm like, well, no, he'll just go find it on a social media site or on television or in other things. It's, and so looking at the worldview, I think, is one of the, the first things that we need to do. Um, I would say for, from a parent's perspective, we need to, uh, A, have parents look at parenting. So I, when I was on Sheila Gregoire's blog, I was talking about how Christian parenting has much more to do than bringing kind of faith into our home we're still parents. And so we need to address mental health and dating and eating healthy and media where, like, there's all of these conversations that we have to do. And we first start with having a good relationship with our kid. And then to quote the old Home Depot quote, like to parents, you can do it. We can help. And this is where we, as you know, people who run podcasts and pastors, like we can come alongside, like we should be equipping our church to have these conversations. And like, when we talk about like, let's say pornography or something, like I had a church invite me in to speak on pornography for their Sunday morning service. And they actually were talking about pornography with every age and stage in the church that week. And they showed the document. And so someone said, they're talking about porn with young kids. It's like, no, they, like they gave to the parents what the conversation was. They gave parents books like um, good pictures, bad pictures, good pictures, bad pictures, junior. And they gave parents, they did a little bit of a talk in church and then parents, here's what you should do. And then there was a conference coming up of how to have good sex in marriage. And, like, and there was a discussion on porn. It was phenomenal. But here's what I remember for that day. I'm driving home. I had lunch at a subway and I'm looking at my phone and my phone dings. And I get an email from a kid in the church and he's about 17, 18. He says, Hey, if I ever struggle with porn, can I, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I said, just as a question, why wouldn't you talk to your dad? 
like he's one of the associate pastors of the church. And he said, well, my dad got in the car after your talk and he, there's three teenagers and then mom and dad. Dad gets in the car and the first words out of his mouth about the talk I just had was, what kind of stupid person gets addicted to pornography? Wow. And the son, like he's a kid, he's 17, 18. He writes me and says, my dad said in that moment that he's not a safe person to talk to about anything ever. And like, talk about your influence just wafting away. Like, first off, where's the grace and the mercy for someone struggling or addicted with porn in a church? Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of like what I say, like when my daughter was in grade nine, um, my daughter's name is Zoe. And I, sa I sat down and I said to her, hey, I'm going to have a weird conversation with you right now. And I, I said, if you ever get pregnant, she's like, dad, I'm like, I need to listen to me. We've talked about sex. You know, expectations, you know about all these things. But if you ever do get pregnant, you can come and talk to me. And she cried. Like I just said, I love you forever and always. And it's a Robert Munch kind of slogan, but it's like, there is nothing you could ever do that would change how much I love you. Like as a parent, we want our kids to come and talk about, you know, I saw porn, uh, you know, I I'm pregnant or any of these conversations and to do it, our kids need to know that we are safe to have these conversations with. And so a huge part of this conversation is on being good parents. And I have a massive handbook called parenting, navigating everything. This book I just brought out, which is six chapters on parenting, communication, discipline, time, parenting styles. Like people say, well, we do Christian parenting. It's like, yes, but we also do other, we do attachment parenting, right? We do conscious parent. Like there's all these parenting styles that we do. And so parenting, equipping, uh, you're kind of talking about how do we do this? I think we equip parents, right? Cause if we equip parents, parents go back to their families and that's like, that's kind of, to me, how we begin this next, how to cope, uh, how to properly train the next generation. But for everyone else who's missed this training, we're going to have to do a lot of um, catch up and we might have to deal with a lot of brokenness and addiction and bad decisions. But like, we can make a bad decision and then we can make a better decision. Like, you know, we have a loving and a forgiving God, like just because we've done this or that doesn't mean that you can't come back. And so it's kind of this two-pronged thing of educating the young and then also kind of retraining and giving better life skills almost to the people who were never taught those things before. Yeah. yeah. The, there's a large majority of people in our programs and our ministry that I've talked to where you talk about when did this start? Well, I was 13 years old. And my parents caught me masturbating and they just yelled at me and never let me in my room again. And, and, uh, you know, even when where where the dad was denying that he was watching porn. So the mom ripped on the kid and the kids like, I've never even heard of this before. What is this? But now I'm curious and just so much dysfunction when kids are 11, 12, 13, now even younger, oftentimes where the parents are just so shame-based in their response to a kid um, where they've never even talked to the kid about sex or talked to them about porn, like you're saying, Brett. And then, they, and then the kids know that they can't talk to their parents. But I love what my dad did when I was, um, it was after, after the first conference that Brad and I ran. And, and uh, my parents, they gave me a couple sex talks when I was a kid, but they, they had no idea that I was watching porn until I told them in my 20s. And, and now I was, um, I guess I was 30. And I always kind of thought, like, I'm never going to tell my parents everything or the details. And, 
And, uh, and then I'm on stage at our conference and we're, and I'm sharing my story and they're there and I'm just thinking, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess it they're right finding now. it yeah. out. <laughs> I'm doing this for the Lord. And so I wasn't holding back just because I wanted to be open and vulnerable with people. But afterwards, it was the next week and I just was playing crib with my dad and I said, so how, what did you think? Like, how was that? You, I wasn't intending to share all that in front of you ever, but how was it? And he just looked at me and he's like, I just want you to know. I'm really sorry that as a dad, I didn't know. I'm really sorry that I wasn't there to help you because if I knew that you were struggling, I would have wanted to help you. And he would have. But I just want to say that to say that parents that haven't done it right, you can still come back and you can still reconcile and you can still apologize like my dad did. And you can still go back to those times where you failed and your kid knows that. And you can go, man, when I did this, I'm really sorry. I realized that that was wrong. And as a so much power in that. Oh, it was so powerful. It was so cool. I just have so much respect for my dad doing that. Um, But I think the same as churches, like as pastors, that pastor that you're talking about, where he goes, man, I, I, I realized I was wrong. And, and he, 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 he needed kind of the evidence, but it's funny that you said that because even two days ago, I was talking to one of our group leaders and he said, man, at my church, we would, we would never be allowed to talk about sex because our pastors think nobody struggles with porn. I'm like, oh my goodness, but that's not the first pastor that I've heard. And obviously you have two, Brett, but those pastors that then they see it and they go, okay, now I guess we can deal with it. It's amazing. to, And so I just want you, Brett, to speak to, to those pastors that maybe are scared and maybe going, man, I don't think that this is a problem or I don't know how to address it. Like what's kind of a simple first step that people can do? And the reason I'm just to go a little bit longer in this, this question is because I like to say nobody hears what we do in our ministry talking about porn and sex and goes, ah, that's not really relevant. <laughs> like everybody goes, wow, that's amazing. This is an epidemic sex beautiful gift from god so we'll talk about it to a small group of men on a tuesday night in the back of the church and i think why not talk about it to everybody like everybody lives in a hypersexualized world everyone knows it's a problem and so if a pastor then is going okay well maybe i'll deal with this brett what do you say to that pastor about even practically like what can they do to take a first step it's funny do you when you just said that about your father it brought tears to my eyes i just love that um, posture of learning. And I think that that's what we need to have as pastors and as leaders in the church is a posture of learning. If what we're doing is working, keep doing it. If what we're doing is not working, it's got to be blown up and we got to try. But like, I think sometimes there's a band from my era called uh, REM. Remember the band REM? They have a song called Shiny Happy People. And I think sometimes that's what we've created in the church, which is we all look good. Like I'm kind of pretending I'm putting a tie on, right? We look, we, we, we know Jesus, everything's great. We smile as we come into church. We are still living in the real world and we are still broken and we're still dealing with different things. And so what I'd say to pastors is, is that the pulpit is a very powerful place. Like in the last podcast, we talked about mental health. And one of the ways when I say um, how to make your church a safe space for people with mental health is you as a lead pastor, preaching pastor, address it from the front. And if you're like, I don't know what to do, there are good people. Just, I mean, ask any youth pastor, leader who speaks on these things, family life can't just say, hey, I need a speaker who's going to speak on this. There are tons of us who do this across the country Mm -hmm. and bring in someone. And sometimes it's actually easier to bring in someone. Pastors often say to me, I'm going to bring you in to talk on this topic. And then I'll like, because 
it kind of removes them a little bit from it as a starting point. But the reality is this, we, we need to equip people on all these conversations. And so whether, and we always debate in the church, right? Is it expository preaching or is it topical? I'm a fully topical guy, but like I take a topic and I come back to the Bible. Expository should be going through the Bible out to topics. Like a master of that is Mark Clark. I'm assuming you guys know him from BC. So I grew up with Mark. I, what I love, it's kind of, to me, I'd love to see his whiteboard. Like when he does two years of Matthew, it must be like a Marvel thing where he has all this connections (laughs) and stuff, but he addresses sex and parenting and all these other conversations. And so I would just say to pastors, like, what's the stat I read the other week? 90% of Christians have had sex before marriage. 90. So if your conversation is just talking about purity and virginity and stuff, you're actually condemning the people who've made mistakes in your audience. Like, we love, like, as pastors and leaders and other people, we love the people we're in front of. And so it's trying to find a way to best equip them for the world that they're living in. And if the world is really different and changed, then get some get some help, get some support in those conversations. But again, Home Depot, you can do it. <laughs> we can help. But not only you can do it, you need to do it. You need to. No one, like Matt, you said you went to a church and spoke on sex. No one should ever say, I've never heard this before. It should yeah. become the common, not the uncommon language. Now, we're not talking about having a, a, a like, a, you know, R-rated talk on sex or porn or something it's not like well here's some pictures or here's a clip of game of thrones that's not what we're doing right it's we know the world's pornified how do we how do we equip people for it and then how do we help people who are already uh, struggling in that journey and that's the amazing thing is that god designed sex which means there's so many good things about it yeah. so mm-hmm. why, why do why are we scared to talk about this beautiful thing that god designed for our benefit in so many ways i mean there's so many positive things that we can share on when we're talking about sex and this is such an important conversation i was curious i wanted your thoughts brett on this too because we are talking a little bit media has been on the kind of periphery of what we've been talking about a little bit here um i've been thinking about this a little bit because you know, often media pulls us into, if like you said, if we have a certain pathways that, you know, we consistently go to, when we go to media, they will be there again for us. And even in a more of a, of a bigger way because of algorithms and whatnot. Um, dopamine fasts. Have you heard of that, Brett? Uh, where you <laughs> just unplug. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know I've, I've talked with some guys where media is kind of their, the catalyst or the, you know, that hot button for them that pushes them towards porn. And again, we talked about not all media is bad. But when it becomes bad like that, what do you what are your thoughts around that? You know, kind of that dopamine fast. Is that helpful? Um, or you know, is there another way we can navigate this if porn is a struggle and it's tied to media? Well, for anyone, um, if you don't know, dopamine is a chemical. It's like we call it the love drug. It's a chemical in the brain. Anytime you give someone a hug or a kiss, you get a dopamine hit. But like, I also get a dopamine hit every time my Apple Watch taps me and tells me a score of a hockey game, a football game, a basketball game. Every time someone likes a post that I do and my watch taps me or I see it on Instagram, I get a dopamine hit. And here's the question. What does, like, as the world's changed, what does half a million dopamine hits do to a 17-year-old? We don't know. Like, we are literally living in, I I use the term, I'm a grade eight science teacher by trade. Like, think of the Petri dish. Like, our kids today are the experiment. And from a mental health standpoint, we're seeing incredible growth of anxiety, especially amongst young girls. Now, 
If you haven't watched the last podcast, please do, because there's many other things, poor diets, lack of sleep, pressure, over-parenting, but media is one of those components. There's a study that I often see passed around, which talks about how if you spend over three hours a day on social media, you have a greater chance of being depressed. Mm-hmm. And then I say, maybe people who are depressed spend three hours on social media. Again, causation, like there's so much nuance with this. So looking at uh, like a dopamine fast, I think a dopamine fast is a great thing. And I often say like, it's it's not just a dopamine fast, it's anything I think in my porn talk, I call it like a 60 day, nothing sexual, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, if you know, when you walk out of a grocery store, there's a magazine there, then don't, you know, check out a different place. Or if you know, when you turn on Netflix, you're tempted, don't do it. If you know, when you go on Twitter, which actually has lots of porn on it, like whatever it is, kind of pull yourself away from that. I learned that um, by accident after high school. This was a long time ago. I lived in the rainforest of Belize for a year. And when I came home, I was shocked. Just it was like everything is sexual, but we're all kind of like those boiling frogs. Like it just keeps getting turned up a notch, and we don't we don't notice it. So I'm, I think we need to be careful with with dopamine. What I always say to parents, especially, is um, you can say to your kid, "Get off your phone, get off social media," or you can say, and this is where I'm I'm really big on the the idea of teaching, not telling. Get off your phone. Uh, and I have a five-part series on how to have a new narrative with your kids, a new way to talk to your kids about music, social media, video games, and things. But as opposed to saying, get off your phones. Like when we talk to my kids about, hey, like, you know, if you have iPhones, you can have the family thing and you can see how much time everyone spends. And kind of saying, like, they're saying that, you know, you know, statistics are showing that if you spend this much time on your phone, you have a greater chance for maybe having some anxiety. Like, what do you think about that? And there's conversation and then addiction. Like talking about phone addiction, like today, no one, like we need a new relationship with our phone. And I have another eight part series on how to have a new relationship with our phone. All of this stuff plays in together. You know, if dopamine's an issue, then maybe turn off notifications that are useless. Have you ever been on Twitter and it says, or it pops up and says, someone you know who hasn't tweeted in a while, tweet it. Yeah. What? Like, like anything, like I have messages that come up when people send me a message. There's a few things I have, but like, I don't just have never ending notifications. Yeah. Yeah. Because That's I don't I, like, how do I get rid of those dopamine hits? Yeah. Facebook is like, Hey, uh, this friend commented on that friend's post. I'm thinking that has nothing to do with me, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a notification. The big one. And it's a tiny bit off topic, but with phones is uh, when I talk to kids, if you do homework, with your phone propped up against the like computer, your th- uh, 45 minute assignment will take you three hours. Right. Yeah. Well, as opposed to saying, get off your phone. Now I hear kids going, Oh, three, like, and they're making changes. Or I yeah. talk about, you know, putting your phone on an arm's length away. Don't be watching TV while you're on your phone. And so it's trying to realize how do we all get better at this? Because like I'm 50, this is, I struggle with this. I struggle on spending too much time just kind of, in the never ending swipe going on social media, but we can all get better. And I, I don't know if I think I've thrown a few books out, but if you haven't read the book atomic habits by James clear, please do. Cause here's the core of the book. Be 5% better. Hmm. Right. And 5% is a joke. And I think this actually fits in even with pornography and things. And I'm not saying watch 5% less. I'm just saying everything we do be 5% better 
at. And it takes the humongous mountain down to the first few steps. Yeah. yeah. And so with media, watch 5% less TikTok videos. So if you usually do an hour a day, do five minutes less. And people say, oh, I, that's nothing. Yeah. And that's why I, I really like that book because it's a, it's a great way to improve the systems and structures to make the habits work in our lives. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a ministry leader that I really appreciate in my life, but he said, you know, let's be low bar people. And when I heard that, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But then when he explained it, you know, often we give people too high of a bar, they will never reach for that or attain that because it's too much. But a low bar, we can aim for that. And then eventually we go up, we can, we, we keep moving forward. That 5% increase, if we were to see that a little bit, that gives us a little bit of momentum and hope and push to keep going. Otherwise, if we say, hey, you got to be here, that 100%, everybody just stops that journey because it's just too hard of a journey to go on. But uh, 5%, I agree, Brad. I think that's that's a great uh, goal to start. Mm. And we always encourage people to celebrate those victories, like celebrate yep. the 5% or the five minutes. Like, oh, like think about the positives from that. Like, oh, I made a good decision. This is what I got from it. Not like, oh, that sucked. Being like five minutes less, that, that was brutal. Yep. Then you're not going to mm. want to do it again. So celebrate those victories, even guys watching porn and then they have temptation and they get through it and they get victory and they give glory to God. And it's like, man, yeah, celebrate that victory. Mm-hmm. Don't just think about when you're tempted and you gave in. So um, great stuff, Brett. I love that the 5% better is so good. Any final thoughts on just sexual ethics, sexuality in the church? Just you, you got a lot in your brain, but anything you have on your heart to share? Yeah. So I, as someone who's 50 and I've gone to men's groups and I've run men's groups I find we spend an exuberant, is that a word? I think it is, amount of time talking about porn and sex, even though they're such important conversations. But I think sometimes um, like we're more than that. And so I have a new talk called, um, like I talk about parenting, navigating everything. I have a talk I have called men navigating everything. And it is, uh, I created this rubric, which is this like, eight, basically eight pieces of a pie and like mental health, physical health, spiritual health, parenting, um, marriage, uh, finances, sex and porn and loneliness. And I just kind of like this idea of looking at being 5% better in all of those categories, because I think there's a lot of connection between all of them. And so if we only concentrate on, let's say, getting better at porn, but we're not looking at our mental health Mm -hmm. or our spiritual health. Or if we're still lonely and loneliness, like we talked about self-harm a bit in the mental health conversation, but like you could be really lonely. So you look at porn. There's, I think all of these things work together in a kind of a holistic way. And so I, uh, I'm enjoying, uh, we just filmed that as a small group uh, for men and it's going to actually be on right now media. If your churches have it, it will be coming out in the fall with a study guide so that people can go through each of those different categories. Um, it's funny. The one thing, I don't know why it's just come to my mind. Like we're talking about all kinds of things. So going back just to a conversation on porn, right. For your listeners, we talk a lot about accountability, but I have, can I, can I give you two stories? Mm-hmm. I have two. So I'm on a, um, this was before zoom. I think I'm on a Skype call with a guy. He is a pastor. Uh, I'm not going to say where in the country, as I say that you then know he's near you. Um, <laughs> and he says, uh, you know, he wants to be an accountability partner. Now I have accountability people near me. I have a guy I just talk about my marriage with me and him only talk about 
are we being the best husbands we can be? And I have another guy, we talk about sex and all these other things. Um, and so uh, he's, this guy wants me to be his accountability partner. And I'm kind of like, okay, but if we're going to do it, I have one rule. It's like, what's your rule? I said, anything I ask for, I get. He goes, all right. I'm like, good. Are we, are we accountability partners? He says, yeah. I said, great. Give me your Netflix username and password. And it was this moment where like, I thought the screen froze and I'm like, are you still there? And he's like, oh yeah. He says, why, why do you want that? And I'm like, well, I want to see what you've been watching. And he says, you can see what I've been watching. And I'm like, yeah. And he he said, I I can't give it to you. And I'm like, and that's why we're not accountability partners. (laughs) Right. What a joke. Like, so I guess his wife wanted him to get an accountability partner and I spoke at his church. And so he's like, well, I'll get Brett to do it, but it doesn't mean anything. Like, like, as opposed to saying, I really struggle on Netflix. Can you help me? Here's my password. Like, yeah. I don't have any passwords my wife doesn't have. My wife can at any moment walk into any any system I have. Like, I think that's kind of a tell, right? If your kid picks up your phone and you grab it back from them, yeah. maybe there's something going on that should be. Yeah. And the second story, I'm at a friend's house and we've just become a bit accountability partners. And we were both running Covenant Eyes. I'm assuming you're familiar with Covenant Eyes. And he's got a new MacBook Pro and uh, I'm a Mac kind of geek. And I said, did you save everything? And he said, yeah. And so I start rebooting and I'm holding down the option key. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I just want to see if you're running a second operating system to which he like literally grabs his laptop out of my hands. And I'm like, so again, it's just a joke. What's the term? It's just like, you want a porn cop, but you don't really want to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we want to be better, we need to work at being better. It's this posture kind of of open hands and saying, I am sinful and I'm struggling and I'm going to listen to a podcast like this and I'm going to get accountability and I'm going to grow myself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do all of these things to get better. And then when I fall down, I'm going to get up. Like you kind of said before, right? Fall down, get up, figure out what happened. Like if every time you play hockey, you come home at two in the morning and you're downstairs watching TV on your own and you struggle, then don't go downstairs. Like what are structures that you can create? You know, if, if it's that you're home alone every Thursday night, I know some guys who go out and watch a sports game at a pub or a bar yeah. somewhere, just like create something, but it's again, moving forward in that. And so I, uh, to go back to that kind of rubric, I'll have all that on my website soon. We're just putting it all out there, but it's that you're more than your struggle. Like I say with mental health, I'm more than my anxiety. And for some of you, you're more than your porn addiction, but you need, like, if you are struggling, especially if it's an addiction, like I have some friends who are addiction, uh, they're therapists, like psychotherapists, but they're psychotherapists who deal specifically uh, with sexuality and, and pornography. Yeah, no, we really appreciate your thoughts on this. And these are all really valuable insights. And we really encourage you go to breadalman.com. Um, a lot of great resources there. His parenting book, everything else that he's mentioned will be there. And we'll include some of those links in our show notes as well. But Brett, thank you so much for being on. We have appreciated your wisdom and your insight into these areas. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, thanks again for checking in with us. And we'll have another great episode coming up next week. See you then. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.